From WPVMLP here in Asheville, you found the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour. I'm Katherine Campbell, and I am so glad to be back in the studio. I'm feeling better, and thanks to my amazing co-host, John Ammons, for taking over and taking the helm while I got some much-needed bed rest. Anyway, it's time to get on with the show. This is the second episode of our season, and like many of you, things have still not gotten back to normal for us. We'll be back to our normal format next month, but today is a different kind of episode. Over the past month, Jonathan Ammons has been cruising around town in his car with a microphone, interviewing folks he passes by, and talking with them about how they're getting by during this coronavirus lockdown. And it got him thinking, how did we get here in the first place? And what happens now? Well, today we'll be dedicating a whole hour to that question and those answers. But first... Here's the latest from Car Seat Headrest. Together. 
tickets I can see their eyes behind reflective glass staring at me laughing at me Casey is having her birthday, and uh, we're all in quarantine, so we have decided to gather in our cars and drive by her house where she'll be having a picnic out front and do a big parade for her of all the cars of all of her friends, so a lovely idea, I think. We'll see how it goes. This kind of thing has become more and more common as the quarantine has gone on. People figuring out how to still interact, how to still show their love and support in times of often stark isolation. <laughs> Happy birthday! <laughs> Happy birthday, friend! How are you? I'm wonderful. Yeah? It's like the sweetest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, good. Really I'm was. glad. <laughs> so cute. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> she was just standing in her yard, a couple of their friends, all, all spaced out apart on separate blankets, having a picnic, and then this random line of cars drives by. Complete surprise. She had no idea. Cars wrap around the block, all with their blinkers on. Music blares, horns blow, people stop on the sidewalks to shoot video of us all dressed like idiots, streamers hanging off of our cars, signs hung out the windows, and then as quickly as they had assembled, the mass of cars just disperses and everyone heads back home. It is truly a strange time to be alive. This is a time our grandkids will surely read about in history books, the age of COVID-19 a global pandemic of over 200,000 deaths and counting, a time when people all over the world sacrificed their short-term well-being for the lives of their neighbors. As of this recording, it is estimated that unemployment surpassed 20% in America. That's roughly 5% shy of the peak of unemployment during the Great Depression, when one in four Americans were without a job. And that's well above the nearly 10% hit during the recession of 2008. But today's numbers keep growing, as 4.4 million Americans apply for unemployment every week. A recent study by e-commerce group Volusion cited Asheville in their list of top 10 cities in the country with workforces impacted by the virus. While we do not have firm county or city data yet, we know that roughly 30% of the population of this city works in the service industry, and nearly all of them are out of work. And I say nearly all because some places are still inching along. Alex Payan is the owner of the Barksdale, a local dive bar that sells hot dogs. He also bartends at the Malvern, another neighborhood bar and eatery known for its greasy spoon foods. I caught up with him at a safe social distance at the Malvern. Yeah, well, you know, we've been really fortunate 
to say the least. You know, response has been good. Uh, business has been good. You know, Chef is being super creative, running all sorts of various specials. During the weekends, we do a, a brunch menu that's available all day. Um, and it's, uh, you know, so it's, it's a lot of our standbys that everybody's familiar with, as well as some new twists to make it interesting. Yeah. Today, for example, we have a peanut butter and jelly French toast, uh, which is incredible with a chunky peanut butter, pickled grapes, fresh jam, uh, you know, it's, can't be beat. Nice. And all at a reasonable value, too. Yeah. yeah. How's that been, like, especially since you have to shift from, like, making money off of liquor sales to making money entirely off of food sales? That's um, got to be pretty daunting. Yeah, you know, I can't, I'm just answering the phones. I can't really yeah. speak on all that, but I do know that, you know, things have been good. And we're just blessed that, uh, you know, people are still checking for the Malvern, you know. I like the, you know, the, the food speaks for itself for sure. Yeah. And, you know, the proof is in the pudding in the sense that people, people are coming back, you know. And it's been busy. Like it's, you been, guys have been... it's been steady. Things yeah. are well, yeah. Good. That's great. I mean, yeah, I've been keeping up with the uh, the posts and all the food looks amazing. Yeah, that's, you know, that's that's Chef. Chris is really, really good with, you know, making sure he's staying out there, strong on social media. And that's, you know, and that's huge just, you know, because people are looking at their phone more than ever now because there's not much else to do. So, you know, staying, staying in everybody's mind and staying ever present is key. And he's got a really good beat on that. Yeah. Are you been? Yeah. Hanging in there. Yeah, man. No, How's it been know. with Barksdale? Barksdale's okay. Some days are better than others. You know, we're doing a, we're doing to go hot dogs there. We're still doing rotating special dogs, packaged beer, and uh, you know, it's it's been good. This week has been killer, so you know, can't complain. Good. It's good to be good. Good to see you, John. Likewise. But restaurants aren't the only ones trying to figure this out. Just recently, the long-standing Asheville music venue The Grey Eagle reopened their taqueria, offering free burritos to out-of-work musicians. With the state talking about a slow rollout with continued social distancing rules, many of the local concert venues could be a thing of the past. I talked with Grey Eagle owner Russ Keith. Today has been our first day doing Taco Tuesday. Yeah. We wanted to fire up, make sure everything still works in the building. Today is the one month ago, today was my birthday, which was the last show here. The Grateful Dead 69 show. So since so we were thinking about trying, you know, I wanted to see how everyone else is handling things. Yeah. And we're not known. I mean, this place is known for the music, not the food. Struck you know, the musicians, our engineers are the ones who can't, you know, are having trouble getting these uh, loans and things. Yeah. So, I mean, starving oh, artists, man. Kind of I mean, yeah. that's, uh, um, but we almost done 50 burritos for musicians. Wow. Today. I mean, you know, whatever we can do to support people here. I mean, people, the musicians have putting their time and money and efforts in here for so many years. For sure. So, you know, it's uh, the least that we can do. And, um, you know, it's. We're trying to just stay afloat, and we feel good about where we'll be at the end of all of this. Yeah. It'll come in increments. We feel like the taqueria may be one of the first things that does open here. Before the venue. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm thinking the reverse style of what they started off, maybe they'll allow us 50 people, which will be great for the stage on the outside. You know, right. We can do a, you know, yeah. a show out here, but run food, open up a little bar, get employees back working which I think is very heavy on my you know my heart right yeah. now is one of the chief concerns for a lot of restaurant owners is the cost of reopening if you lost all of that product when you were closed you have to buy it again when you reopen not to mention the question of just what will the restaurant world look like when things slowly start to rev back up will people still eat out with the same frequency will there be that same demand a while back, I caught up with Steph Burnett, a travel writer and editor of At Home in the Upstate magazine. She was talking about her hometown of Greenville, but I think it really applies here to Asheville as well. Sadly, and recently I was asked, you know, 
how many of those restaurants do you think will reopen after this is all said and done? And if we talk about independent restaurants, um, I think 50% of them will not reopen. Mm. That's a huge call. It saddens me. I think it's horrible, but I think we're coming out of a Kool-Aid colored world where people with experience and even people without experience were opening restaurants and a women of prayer. And not to say they weren't successful, but they were successful in a like month to month environment, not successful in a way that they had planned to weather something like this. Yeah. Do you think that uh, how, what do you think is going to make the difference between the restaurants that survive down there and the ones that don't? A letter of credit. Yeah. Really, it comes down to, did you have a line of credit with your bank that you could float a zombie apocalypse? Mm -hmm. Truly. And, you know, um, some old school businesses, 100% already did because they used an SBA loan to open or they came out of another industry and knew that was like 100% needed. Um, But I think a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of um, chef-driven restaurants that decided to open on themselves opened with investment from every family and friend that they knew and they only had that amount to start. Mm. So if you didn't already have a line of credit with your bank, you're not going to um, weather the storm. Yeah. You know, the other really interesting thing, though, um, I was speaking to someone a couple days ago about this. You know, what will restaurants look like when they reopen? And if you own your building or your space, you might be okay. Yeah. If you have a background in catering or you are a caterer, you might be okay. I've got to say, I've been driving around downtown every day since the day before the state mandate or the county mandate to shut down bars and restaurants went into place and this is the most dead I've ever seen it um it's starting to like This is the first time that I've, my heart just kind of sank driving through downtown. I grew up in this city. I've watched it go from a pretty abandoned downtown, rundown city to a thriving food hub, a place where people travel from all over the world to go, and uh, it's pretty stark, it's pretty stark to see this difference and this change overnight of just all these businesses that friends of mine have opened, that all these restaurants, all these corner stores, all these shops that I know the story of just about each and every one of them and they're closed it's hard make some room for the afterlife golden gates a happy wife Nothing compares to the sound of a violence Great destroyer, you plant the seed Live in guilt and the loser's grief But nothing compares to the sound of a violence No, nothing compares to the sound of a
The Dirty Spoon Radio Hour is made possible by our underwriter, The Marketplace Restaurant. Founded in 1979 by the pioneering Mark Rosenstein and reimagined by Chef William Disson a decade ago, The Marketplace Restaurant has been serving our community for 41 years. Asheville's original farm-to-table restaurant, The Marketplace strives to bring you the best of what our region and our farmers have to offer. And while they may not be open during this coronavirus lockdown, you can still support them through purchasing a gift card. Just head to AshevilleStrong.com. That's AshevilleStrong.com to find out how.
Every day since this lockdown began, I make the same drive. A loop through town, down every major thoroughfare, and up the major alleys, around the hubs of the city. Every day, I see less and less people on the street, less and less businesses open, which, in essence, is a good thing, because it means that people are listening to the governor and staying home. Asheville has always been a city and an economy built on tourism. Dating back to the opening of the Biltmore House to the public during the Depression, Asheville has, often in waves, invested heavily in tourism. In February, the TDA announced a $19.9 million budget. This year, in the midst of this lockdown, they held an online meeting in which members, some sheltering in their vacation homes, complained that they were being discriminated against since the county was requiring them to quarantine upon returning to the mountains. These comments were followed up with a budget report that allocated $3 million for advertising in the future. And the advertising wizards proposed their new plan for marketing the city post-coronavirus. There was no mention of allocating money to local businesses wrecked by the crisis, even though images of those businesses were sure to be used in those advertisements. Not long after, the director of Explore Asheville, Stephanie Brown, announced she would be leaving her position to seek greener pastures. And a couple weeks later, State Senator Chuck Edwards, County Commissioner Joe Belcher, and TDA Chair Gary Fariba announced their effort to jumpstart the tourism industry affected by the virus. The Buncombe County Tourism Jobs Recovery Act will allocate $5 million of unspent funds remaining in a portion of the Buncombe County occupancy tax a portion of that fund already allocated for local spending, and grant that money to tourism-related businesses as they are trying to reopen. Applicants could receive as much as $50,000 in grants. It seems like now would be a good time to point out that there are 700-plus restaurants in Buncombe County alone. Having grown up in this city, I feel like I've had to say this from time to time. The last time was in 2008, but... It's time we face the music. Asheville will never be the same after this. No city could be. There is no going back to normal after this. Back before the recession, Asheville was just starting to boom. After a Rolling Stone article in the early 2000s declaring Asheville the freak capital of the world, we caught a lot of attention. These were the days of Vincent's Ear and Bean Streets, coffee shops that doubled as bars, since the restrictive alcohol laws made it nearly impossible to keep bars open in a small town. But they also doubled as music venues. The White Stripes played at Vincent's Ear. Ottaker was there once, too. It was a town of speakeasies and pocket-sized bars, restaurants that served farm-to-table meals for street food prices because the rent was so cheap and the clientele plentiful. There were still manufacturing facilities and big industry here although it had steadily trickled away for years. But there was still enough to build something of our own culture and identity around. But something changed. When the recession hit, industry fled. A lot of places shuttered. Fine dining restaurants like Savoy shut down entirely and rebranded as cheaper, more family-friendly options like Vinnie's. The marketplace pulled their white tablecloths and lowered their prices to be more of a casual eatery. Some spots never reopened at all. It was a massive wave of change. But like all retracting waves, it left a space on the beach, and new ventures started popping up. The Blind Pig Supper Club started hosting guerrilla dinners all over town. Elliot Moss left his kitchen to do pop-ups. Craft cocktail bars started sprouting and taking the drink scene seriously. Breweries, once an affectation in the city, became icons and started blooming in every borough. The TDA and Explore Asheville took full advantage of this. They began to take on the role of a PR agency for local restaurants, promoting them all over the country. And many of those restaurants were, and are, very grateful. Asheville was branded Beer City and Foodtopia, a term Explore Asheville actually trademarked. But that same year, a study found Asheville to be one of the largest food deserts in the nation, with one in five residents going to bed hungry and impoverished. Minority populations fled the city as rents rose, wages stagnated, and Asheville found itself in a crisis of its own making. With nearly 30% of its residents in service industry positions, but hardly any of them being able to afford rent in the city center as real estate prices began to skyrocket. 
Inevitably, the city began to see labor shortages. Restaurants began struggling to maintain workers. Some started cutting hours. The butter of that tourism was beginning to spread thin, as everyone wanted a piece of the pie. In my opinion, the height of this imbalance hit on one fateful weekend, the weekend of the Warren Haynes Christmas Jam. The first week of December in 2018, Asheville found itself trapped with 7,000 tourists downtown for the festival. A snowstorm was sweeping in, and restaurant workers were stuck on the outskirts of the city where they lived because that's where the affordable housing is. Thousands of hungry mouths and no one to feed them. Lines formed in the cold for the few restaurants that were able to open. Some opened understaffed, only to get a flurry of negative reviews for inadequate service. Others just ran out of food. It was a giant, colossal clusterfuck, 10 years in the making. And apparently, it taught us nothing. Developers moved in from Charlotte, Atlanta, Raleigh. People with big ideas that worked in their regions, so surely they'll work in Asheville. A hybrid sushi and Tex-Mex joint. More taco shops than anyone knew what to do with. Breweries, breweries, and more breweries. Then big corporations started buying up those breweries. First Budweiser came for Wicked Weed, and now we have expensive Budweiser. Then Kieran came for New Belgium. And all the while, the labor pool spread even thinner as more restaurants started to close and even more announced they planned to open, like some persistent wave that refused to crest. In fact, just a week before the COVID-19 shutdown, Asheville Citizen Times reported on seven restaurants planning to open in the spring. And then just like that, it all ground to a halt. Um, here, let me pull yeah, a little further in. Yeah, come on up on the van here. Yeah. Yeah, how you been? Um, you know, it's scary. Yeah. It's scary, you know. Um, I'm just worried about my employees, worried about my community. Um, right, we've just been brainstorming. What can we do as people are unable to buy more and more prepared food premiums right. and or not being able to get out of the house. Sean Piper opened Jargon, a neighborhood casual fine dining restaurant in 2017. After leaving the movie industry and moving here, Sean sunk a ton of his own money into buying and renovating a building in West Asheville with the intent of opening a restaurant. And it's gone over pretty well. People seem to really love the place. But now he's afraid he could lose it all. Crazy. I don't know, you know, I just, I'm scared. I just, I care a lot. And, yeah. and I think this is a six month to 12 month thing here. Yeah. Um, and this easily. is not going to be over in June or any August. No. Yeah. Unless there's like a antivirus that just pops and drops from the sky. Right. Um, and then all these people that love and respect who are in this industry, um, I'm worried about them, you know? I mean, how long can you sustain uh, this CARES and this PPP? And mm. it's all bullshit, man. It's such. I'm not looking for a bailout. I'm just looking for a little help. Um, yeah, yeah. And I just want to survive, buddy. Yeah. I just want to be able to open back up in eight months. That, I mean, that I'm mortgage lender still looking for that bank note. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of the chef, chef-owned places, you know, Canapelli with Cucina. You know, we've already yeah. dipped into them twice. You know, Rosebees. Um, all these places that that just in there cranking out the food on their own. They're yeah. trying, but they're not cranking out food. There's some. It, they're making ten to fifteen percent what they usually would make on an operating day um how long is that viable for yeah um i don't know jonathan it's yeah it's really scary and you know i'm also trying to provide for my family since i spoke with sean jargon has begun a sandwich and bottled wine carryout service to try to generate some kind of cash flow I have written extensively in the Mountain Express about a bubble that I saw building in Asheville. It started with a piece on food deserts and how Asheville hid its poorest on the outskirts of the city, often with little to no access to food. Then came an article on the death of fine dining, explaining the ways that the recession did irreparable damage to the wages of service industry workers and the profit margin of restaurants. I wrote about the oversaturation of the restaurant scene and how that didn't just spread the customer base then, but would eventually spread the workforce then. Then, inevitably, I followed that up with a piece about the labor shortage that was forcing restaurants to close. 
and another on how the law of diminishing returns was proving true in Asheville as Beer City's local brews with low profit margins began to dominate alcohol sales in local bars and restaurants, cutting already thin profit margins even smaller. In one of those pieces, Asheville food pioneer Vijay Shastri told me why he would never dream of opening another restaurant in Asheville. He said it was oversaturated, that the labor pool wasn't deep enough, that the rent was too high and the average ticket price too low. Shastri opened the Continental Lounge anyway. It lasted a fraction of a year. Do not get me wrong here. I'm not here to say I was right about something or that we are getting what we deserve. These are family businesses we're talking about. These are people I love dearly and deeply and have been cheering on for my entire adult life. I want these friends and neighbors to succeed. I want my hometown to have the best restaurant scene in the country. But it was clear even before all this began that this Tower of Babel could not continue to grow higher and higher. But the way it was growing, it seemed that only some act of God might act as a reset button. We'll speak of the devil and he shall appear. The picture is grim, right? I mean, you're reading everything that's out there. Reporter Mackenzie Lunsford of the Asheville Citizen Times. Right now, everybody's just trying to scramble to uh, help their employees who they had to lay off. And that's been the most devastating thing. Number one, what I hear from restaurant owners is this has been the worst time of my life, not because they're worried about their loss of income, but surely, you know, somewhere in there, of course they are, you know, because they're business owners. But the number one thing that they talk about is how devastating it is to lay off, you know, 100 people. It's not not unusual. Pax Tavern laid off more than 100 people. Uh, Curate, more than 100 people. Mm. Uh, Biscuit Head, about 100 people, you know, and it just keeps going. You start thinking about 100 people per each large Asheville restaurant, you know, and then of course the countless smaller ones, it just, it's, it's just devastating to think about how many thousands of people from independent restaurants alone have lost their jobs. And it's, it's just, it's horrifying. I mean, you don't, you don't know how to help them. I I don't know, name, name any business at all. The richest businesses, the most wealthy people you can think of and then have them not do any business or a tiny fraction of their business. And some of the people I talked to who are still running brisk, you know, online ordering, takeout, all that stuff, they're saying their business is down 90%. Yeah. Some people, their business is down 100%. Who do you know? What business do you know that can shut down for months at a time with hardly anything coming in and then just reopen? And the thing about restaurants, which you know, they're just so uniquely, unfortunately, they're uniquely positioned in some ways without our help to fail in this, right? Because think about the startup cost for a restaurant. Right. Besides the obvious, like the hardware and all that stuff, think about the tremendous amount of money it's going to take to open a restaurant on day one, basically, when this is over. Think about all the stuff that they have to order. Think about maybe having to rehire all new people and go through training. Yeah. You know, I mean, just the tremendous amount it's going to take to reopen. That whole burn it, burn it down mentality is, is it's, it fails to see a larger picture, you know, because take a broader view that we're talking about, right. These, these restaurants, just like right before we got on the phone, handed in a story that um, it, it a lot of the data was taken from a recent report um, from ASAP, right? Appalachian Sustainable Agriculture Project, yeah. which is a Western North Carolina nonprofit that supports farmers for all of those listening who are not from Asheville. Um, but they surveyed a bunch of Western North Carolina farmers and 80, 80% of them said that they were suffering financial hardship. Oh my God. Because as a result of coronavirus, right? And one of the farmers um, from Ivy Creek Family Farm, Anna Littman, was quoted as saying that she and her husband had planted fields full of stuff, greens, right now, that's what's coming up, arugula, that local restaurants had, had asked for and committed to, and now those restaurants are closed and those chefs are out of work. 
When Governor Roy Cooper rolled out his plan to slowly phase the economy back into action in North Carolina, he proposed doing it in phases. Small steps that maintained social distancing policies. Phase two of the program would remove stay-at-home orders, but would require drastic limitations on restaurant occupancy. A necessary but continued threat to the viability of one of Asheville's largest industries. With the White House leaving much of the decisions about reopening cities to the states themselves, it falls on local governments to do a lot of the pushing for what their towns might need. And it seems to me that if Asheville is going to break out of this self-destructive pattern of relying solely on tourism for its economy, now would be the time. Asheville City Council candidate Kim Roney. So, yeah, I think we've seen this kind of happen before where we focus so much in one area and then because we haven't diversified or um, there were attempts to diversify and have a more resilient economy and we um, failed either to support or just straight up redline and redistricted so that um, black and minority owned businesses um, were forced out. And we have a lot of healing and work to do. So for, for this this newest round, and as I'm still learning and like with community trying to understand how we got to this place. And I know that there were intentions for us to have an additional tax. We were one of the first in the state to do it, um, coming from the tourism industry. So a lot of the legislation that we see across the state um, comes from us setting standards. So um, when we have to have a TDA to allocate the taxes, other cities around the state are also having a TDA to allocate their tourism taxes, like Charlotte is dealing with this right now too. Since we are so good at setting standards in North Carolina around this, one would hope that if we were going to set the standard on maybe this got out of control, um, it definitely is a situation where we need democratic, like, democratic representation on the allocation of our taxes. We don't have that. Um, we don't have a worker's seat at the table. Um, we don't see equitable representation that reflects our community at the Tourism Development Authority table. Um, can we set some new standards and then maybe that would benefit our neighbors across the state? Um, one would hope. But I do think we have put all of our eggs in one basket and um, I'm not alone in that. I think now would be a good time to applaud Asheville for its response to this pandemic. When the stay-at-home orders were issued in Nashville, Tennessee, Kid Rock's bar refused to close, calling it a violation of their constitutional rights. Swaths of Texas have threatened to reopen early to save their economy, as though 2-5% to of their population dying from a disease would not ravage the economy in and of itself. People have been pitching fits about the so-called self-destruction of America, calling the virus itself a hoax. But Asheville didn't do that. The owners of these small and fragile businesses, the pioneers of the city's food scene, the people who had everything to lose, they packed up shop and shut down. In fact, two days before the city, county, or state made any mandate about the virus, the Asheville Independent Restaurant Association told their restaurants to shutter for two weeks. The people of this city did what needed to be done. And as a result, the number one tourist destination in the world, according to Fromers, and the top-rated destination in the country, according to Yelp, has only seen four deaths from the virus as of this recording. We are flattening the curve. By the estimated peak of the infection, we had only seen 53 confirmed cases of the virus. The small business owners of this city, the ones at the highest risk, people who may not ever be able to reopen their businesses, marched into the fire. They closed the doors, flipped the bar stools, and turned off the lights. They sacrificed their livelihoods for the good of their neighbors. I have to admit, when I started writing about the restaurant scene here and noticing the oversaturation, I never thought it would end like this. But who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this isn't the end. That the days are loaded Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed Everybody knows the war is over Everybody
is lost Everybody knows the fight was fixed The poor stay poor, the rich get rich That's how it goes Everybody knows Everybody knows that the boat is leaking Everybody knows the captain lied Everybody got this broken feeling Like their father or their dog just died Everybody talking to their pockets Everybody wants a box of chocolates And a long stem rose Everybody knows possible by our underwriter, The Marketplace Restaurant. Founded in 1979 by the pioneering Mark Rosenstein and reimagined by Chef William Disson a decade ago, The Marketplace Restaurant has been serving our community for 41 years. Asheville's original farm-to-table restaurant, The Marketplace strives to bring you the best of what our region and our farmers have to offer. And while they may not be open during this coronavirus lockdown, you can still support them through purchasing a gift card. Just head to AshevilleStrong.com. That's AshevilleStrong.com to find out how. The Dirty Spoon Radio Hour is a production of Dirty Spoon Media, copyright 2019. All the text from our stories is available on our website, dirty-spoon.com. There you can also catch up on past episodes as well as subscribe to the show and help us keep going through our Patreon. The incredible artwork on that website is by Katrin Doza, Corinne Pease, Kelly Manier, Garnett Fisher, Paul Choi, and Marianne Papineau. Music in this episode by Car Seat Headrest, Jerry Paper, Other Lives, Ginny O, Leonard Cohen, and Sybil Beyer. Catherine Campbell is our editor-at-large, sources our stories, and handles our website and marketing. Jonathan Ammons is our editor-in-chief, handles the music selection, production, recording, audio editing, and writes some of the original music. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast stream to catch new episodes of our series, Home Fried, stories to keep you informed and entertained during the COVID-19 lockdown. Just search for the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next month for more stories, conversations, and music from the people who shape what we consume right here on the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour from 103.7 WPVMLP in Asheville.
It's beautiful.